from Profit Well Recur. It's Protect the Hustle, B-Side, where Patrick Campbell and Neil Desai share their takes on this week's global developments. This week, the duo discuss vacation policies through the lens of HubSpot and Drift, an interview with Chargebee's CEO about localization techniques, as well as this week's wins and fails. What's going on, everyone? You've got Neil and Patrick here with another episode of Protect the Hustle, the B-Sides. The B-Sides. What's going on this week, Neil? What's in the news? There's a lot of depressing things in the news, but what's maybe some tech things that are in the news this week? (laughs) Did you see, so a couple interesting uh, things coming out uh, around vacation, right? HubSpot's um, taking a break campaign, sort of made headlines um, around taking vacation. Yeah, and Drift gave everyone Friday off or something like that, and they said... 40 yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. I don't remember exactly what was said. I think, uh, yeah, David Cancel sort of said, you know, they're giving the company um, a, a four-day weekend and, and the company, you know, closed its offices on the Friday before Memorial Day weekend. So it's sort of interesting how both companies in some way, shape, or form, right, mandating time off. I have mixed feelings on this. I have, like, Do you? deep mixed feelings on this. <laughs> I feel as if I agree with what HubSpot did because that feels kind of like a people ops campaign. Right. And maybe it's part it's, it's also for recruiting and, and stuff like that. And it's, hey, it's, it's OK to take a break. You know, this time is crazy, you know, with everything that's going on. But even in general, like if you're sick, stay home, like way before this, you know, if you're sick, stay home. If you, you know, need to take a long weekend or take a week off, like go do that, you know, do your best work, blah, 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 blah. Right. The drift thing, I think I like um, and, you know, DC's my homie, but like I, I, I feel as if it's too like mandated. And I don't like, I don't know, maybe it's also just kind of a markety people opsy thing. But to me, it's like, I'm an adult. I will choose when I take the time off. If I need Friday off, you know, that I'm going to take Friday off along with the Monday. Like, don't like, what if I wanted to work so that I could then take the next Friday off and all of a sudden I'm sitting here and I have to take this Friday off when in the next Friday I'm going to feel bad because I'm taking it off. Right. And I think yep. that this is, this is the crux of the thing with me and vacation policy. Now, now keep in mind, just a hardcore preface, we are very blessed, privileged, lucky, however you want to kind of classify it, that we are not on the front lines of COVID. Um, we are not in a world where, you know, I, I, I think of very few tech companies that have like actual sick days you have to track, very few tech companies um, and, and kind of startups where you have you don't have very generous vacation or even unlimited vacation, which I know has some backlash. And so it's one of those things where that's the perspective I'm coming from. Like, obviously, if I was working at McDonald's and I was sick and I felt pressure to come in, like that's a whole different conversation. But I think that when you are an adult in a company that says they're going to treat you like an adult, you should take the time when you want to take the time. And I know there's issues with that and there's trade-offs, especially when you're the size of Drift, let alone the size of HubSpot. But I don't know. I think mechanically, this is this is this is a little bit like, oh, thank you for telling me to take time off. It's like, no, 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 no. I'll I'll take time when I need to. Yeah, I, I it's tricky, right? Because I think on on one hand, you wanna you wanna develop a culture where people feel comfortable and safe to take the time off, right? I mean, talk to me about profitable vacation policy because I know we we have a unique one to some extent, and and even I, you know, sometimes think about our the way we handle holidays and, and things like this. So you know, would love your take on sort of how we've sort of developed this policy over time. So we have, we have an unlimited vacation policy. That unlimited vacation policy has pros and cons. The pros is, is that you can take the time when you need to. Uh, the cons is, is that if you are younger in your career, 
you need encouragement and need to know that it's okay. Because there are some unlimited vacation policies where it's like unlimited, but you know, wink, wink, like, you know, never take a vacation, right? And we have been burned on this before in the sense that we had someone um, who was a, a new salesperson. They took four weeks in their first quarter, uh, their first official like quoted quarter. So they were a little bit, um, you know, a little bit longer than a quarter. And they didn't hit their number and it was just kind of obvious that it wasn't going to work out. And they kind of were taking vacation because they knew it wasn't going to work out. And so there was this weird like kind of standoff that we had to figure out. But even then we were like, well, does it really make sense to let this person go? And it definitely wasn't because of the vacation. It was just because like even when this person was there, they just weren't being productive. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we've had people take advantage of it. I think the other thing is, is that with holidays, I'm, I'm really annoyed by holidays um, and mandated company holidays. And, and here's the reason why. I, I think that it's a really good thing, again, if you're working at McDonald's or you're working somewhere else, time and a half, double time, you know, you need the day off, these types of things. Totally different conversation. In the world of tech where we are blessed, privileged, lucky, however you want to put it, not all holidays are equal, Right. We have Muslim folks working for us. We have Jewish folks working for us. Most of the federal holidays are Christian-based, right? And so it's one of these things where everyone's like, well, like if you don't have Veterans Day or Martin Luther King Day, then you know, you're know you not you're being offensive to X, Y, or Z. And it's like, yeah, but we also don't, you know, have Yom Kippur in the calendar or, you know, certain aspects of Ramadan and like other aspects. And so it, it just kind of became one of these things where it's like, again, treat people like adults. And do the encouragement, right? Like protect the downside. And I think that when you get into a larger company, it's a lot easier to protect your downside just by mandating a certain number of days or these types of things. And I actually think HubSpot still has unlimited vacation. I'd have to check on that. But I knew I know they had it at least in the start. Um, they yep. might have changed it because I, I remember they did get some flack for it prior to the IPO or post IPO. I, I remember I read like some blog post where I think some former employee was like, oh, it's unlimited, so you don't take any. And it's like, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where if you treat people like adults and we are in an industry where you can treat people like adults, they can make these decisions. And we've done really, really, at least in my opinion, really well at communicating that. Every time there's a holiday coming up that's not like Christmas or New Year's, right? Um, And even then what we do, so every time there's a federal holiday coming up, I'll just say that just to save face here, we send out, or I send out a Slack that's like, hey, just as a reminder, reminder with our, you know, vacation policy and our holiday policy, you are an adult, you make these decisions. Um, you can take off this day. That's totally fine. There's plenty of people who are going to be out that day and there's plenty of people who are going to be working. You should not feel bad if you're not working. You control your time. You control, you know, your your time off, these types of things. That makes sense. And I think, yeah, I, now having been a part of the team for a couple of years, I think that that works out pretty well. I think this thing that I struggle with, and philosophically, I think what you're saying makes makes total sense, and, and we should treat people like adults. I'm sure you've seen the data, right? Uh, com- like, on average, companies with unlimited vacation, yeah, you see but folks not, take less data. We're not, a, we're not an average company, Neil. Like, I'm not, I, I'm not, we're not an average company, and we're not going to, like, treat ourselves like one. And if I, if, if I have control or the power or whatever you want to call it to optimize for something... I'm going to optimize for this, right? Like I'm right. not going to optimize towards the mean and be like, cool, well, everyone else does this. You know, you know, that's not how we do things. Even with the COVID yep. stuff, we were kind of like, well, we're going to do this. And yes, we're going to protect our downside, but at least right now we have enough control. And that calculus might change at some point. You know, for 10,000 right. people and the, the trickle down effect for management is, is really, really hard to do, then that's a, that's a point to change it. But I think it's one of those things that there's assuming the worst and there's assuming the best, right? And there's shooting people like adults and then there's infantilizing them, right? And it's one of those things where I think that there's some folks out there 
and this is going to be a little bit too much of a generalization, but there's some folks like, I think DHH talks a lot about this, where it's just like, you know, 40 hours a week, blah, blah, blah. This is like terrible. Like you're treating people terribly, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, maybe globally, yes. Maybe when we include the McDonald's of the world and all these other things, totally. And that's a conversation to have. But when you're like a, a millennial working at a damn tech company, right? Like we have the power to, you know, make sure we, we create the world that we want to see. And I think that's the biggest thing that, that always fires me up about this. And, you know, I've had conversations in the past like, oh, why don't we have this? And here's this data point here and the data point here. It's like, it's not our data. It's not our data. Yeah. You know, we got some folks who, you know, take six weeks a year. They do the European style and they're traveling all the time. And yeah, they're pseudo working, you know, sometimes when they're traveling or they're completely out sometimes. And then we got other folks like myself or Facundo, you know, and this is you know, maybe problematic according to your data, um, but myself and Facundo who probably haven't taken like a true, I am completely out vacation in, you know, five, six years. And it's not because we're, you know, killing ourselves. It's because we love what we're doing. We love it so much. And we found our ways to energize ourselves. And I think that's the bigger thing that not enough people are talking about with this debate is, do you know how to re regenerate yourself? Do you know that? And it took me a long time to figure this out, but it, it's not necessarily a vacation. I found if I don't take a 10 day fully out vacation, I'm not even going to be re-energized um, because if I take a four day thing, I just, my brain isn't like off. So if I take a yeah. true vacation, the week before has to be like a taper period, even when I'm working. So I have to take off, you know, like no like outside calls, working on internal projects, these types of things. And, and that's a lot of time, right? I also found that there's certain things that, you know, re-energize me, especially when I get my sleep in order and these other things that I don't need to take a vacation if I don't want to. Right. Yeah. And so I think it comes back to, and I'm on my soapbox here, of course, it comes back to treating people like adults. And we have the luxury of being able to do that in our industry at our size of 75 folks. And with that, it allows us to you know, make sure that we're pushing things in the world that we want to see. That, that makes total sense. Let me ask you this then. Do you think from a culture perspective, right, leadership has some responsibility to help influence folks and encourage them to take that time? Because I think to your point, right, especially younger folks in their career, look to leadership, look to their management, and will defer to them to sort of show them the path, right? Um, especially when you're new and still sort of, you know, proving yourself at a company, you're going to be cautious about that. Right. So the, the, the thing that I sometimes think about is like, are we creating a space where everyone feels it's easy to say it's one thing to mm -hmm. say, hey, yeah, take the time off if you need it. But it's another thing to live up to those actions. And, you know, that's that's the thing that I think about from a from a management perspective is what 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 role do they have to sort of set the example? Because it influences the culture in a massive way. It's like internal virtue signaling, basically. Right. I, I think <laughs> that it's a great question. I think, again, we come back to our first principle of treating people like adults. I think if you treat people like adults, and you treat people like a partner in the business, which is what we do as well, then it becomes a lot easier, right? We, we don't have a, like, we also have this very decentralized culture. I, I have never said to you, I have never said to another human being at the company in the entire history of the company, do this because I said so. Do this because I'm the CEO. I have never used anything related to that. It's always like, do you agree with this? And then you and I bicker and it turns out you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where there's always, there's always that culture of, you know, communication. And so we, I think the way, the reason this can work is we don't have that top down like culture, but you're not wrong. There are still some things that need to be done. And I think that we, we have definitely had some folks who have struggled with this, especially those who are older in their career and are coming from very corporate 
you know, we'll, we'll be very clear. We'll be like, listen, you know, this is this is how we do things here, and you shouldn't feel bad for this. We shouldn't feel bad for that. And I think we get ahead of it now. Where it used to be, we would wait until it kind of came up, but that might be six to nine months into someone's career. And that's kind of crappy because for six to nine months, they're feeling that kind of that pressure and things. And so I think what we've done is we get ahead of it in our ProfitWell 101 training. Um, we get ahead of it kind of in the people operations and these types of things. And it allows us to, to, to you know, make sure that, you know, we're depoliceing, you know, a lot of our people ops and these types of types of pieces. Now, that being said, I think that we have not done as much of a good job in the past of not working when we're sick. I think we've gotten a lot better with that, you know, just in terms of, hey, we're at least working from home, if not like completely out. I mean, you've seen this like in the past, like six months where I was just out, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think I, I don't think in the first couple of years of ProfitWell, I would have done that. And I think we're pretty good about even, even when we're taking time off. I mean, I've, I've checked Slack on vacation and you tell me to go away and focus on my yeah, time off, right? I think we're pretty good at that. <laughs> I mean, we've also have really good, there, there's some notable examples on certain teams with certain connected people where, you know, we've had folks who are having mental breakdowns and we just go, 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 leave for as long as you need to just go like, do your thing. You know, if, if you need to be here, great, but go right now and like figure that out. Um, and I think we have enough examples of that, that it's, it's one of those things where people can kind of latch onto, oh, okay. They actually mean this when they say it. And there's no like repercussions. Like we really just care about the work and the results. No, that, that, that makes total sense. All right, Patrick, I'm going to put you on the hot seat for a sec. When is ProfitWell going to have a sabbatical, I don't sabbatical know. policy? I don't think we're going to have a sabbatical policy, Neil. I think it, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I think it's, it's such an interesting, well, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's really funny. Facundo and I were talking about taking a month off. Yeah. Uh, so Facundo and I literally in December and a little bit of January, we were like, all right, which month we probably shouldn't take the same month. Uh, and Facundo, I think was going to take March and he was trying to mm-hmm. convince Peter and I with our, our significant others to go to Patagonia with him. Uh, and I was like, well, you're taking this off. We're not supposed to be taking off when you're out. <laughs> and then I think I was going to try to take August or something like that, but then COVID hit. And so I don't know, that's not really, I guess that's a sabbatical. Like in some companies, that's a 30 day thing. I don't know. I think that we, it might be interesting. I, I think I've seen, uh, some companies use this as like a terrible stick, uh, where they, you know, th- there's, there's another company, um, they're very, very you know famous in, in the healthcare software space, but they have a five-year thing where you can take a year off, but like two people make it there. You know, it's like insane just how, how intense, yeah. you know, the, the, the road there is. So I don't want to use it as like a carrot or a stick, you know, for someone, but I don't know. I'll think about it. I, I, what's the value in your mind of a sabbatical? Like I, I know like the inherent pieces of like getting some space and things like that, but you know vacations can solve for that as well. Like what, what do you think on that, that end? Yeah, I think, um, so as, as a younger person in the industry, I think one of the appeals is it's a longer amount of, you're, very rarely are you going to take a month off, right? Strictly from a vacation perspective. Um, so a month off, that's not part of your vacation allows you to do certain things like travel or pursue a new hobby or something that perhaps you, you can't under normal circumstances. Right. Um, mm. and then obviously from a company perspective, it, it helps and, the, the the cynic out there can say this is a bad thing, but it helps it helps retain employees for a longer amount of time, right? Whether it's three years or five years, so they can get to their sabbatical. Yeah, right. And and the the, the most charitable interpretation there is, hey, you you're being rewarded for contributing to the mission for you know extended mm-hmm. amount of time, right? Part of me wants to say, Neil, if you came to us and said, hey, I want to take a sabbatical, 
or if Eric or, you know, some of the other folks on the team, I feel as if we would be, we'd be like, okay, let's just plan it right. You know, I don't think, right. I don't think there, which, you know, is, is again, it doesn't mean there shouldn't be a policy. There shouldn't be a specific kind of plan that's open to every, it's, this would be open to everybody, but you know, not everyone yeah. would know that they maybe could do that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, it's tough. Cause uh, I think we're both, we both, I, 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 I hear you on not having policies for things because then it just complicates things unnecessarily, especially at our size, right? Well, at our can. size, like you can certain you policies can communicate are these important. Things. I yeah. found I have to say that now, or else people just assume that we don't have like certain <laughs> obvious policies, which is kind of a dumb thing to assume. But yeah, and then obviously from a recruiting perspective, it's an interesting perk that not not all companies have, right? I struggle with perks. Perks are always one of those things. Where I know I'm like, you do. Do we need these flashy things? Can we pay mm-hmm. you well and give you great health insurance and and go from there? But I see what you mean. I I think it's interesting. Yeah. I, I it's a uh, the reason I struggle with it is because it it I don't want to dangle a carrot in front of you. Now if, yeah. there's, if there's there, there's probably other reasons we could justify this besides dangling the carrot, but I think that that's what I struggle with is is a sabbatical is, is kind of like dangling a carrot in front of you, at least in my mind and my initial like concept of it. But that's coming from a very kind of like one sided way of looking at it. I think there's advantages. Like the reason academics normally take sabbaticals is to work on other stuff, right. Or work on mm-hmm. a book or work on deeper research or, you know, kind of get some distance, you know, to, to get more serendipitous, you know, thoughts. I think we, we have a pretty flexible policy though. Like if you and Virginia wanted to go away for like a month and a half, like, and you wanted to go to, you know, Columbia to hang out with her family or something like that. It's like, we would be like, okay, like, are you going to work? And, we, and you'd be like, yeah. no, we'd be like, oh, okay, well that changes a little bit. Let's figure out when that makes sense. Or if you're like, yeah, I'm going to work from Columbia for six months. We'd be like, uh, okay, okay, let's figure that out and see what happens and what the trade-offs are and like that type of thing. Totally. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I don't know. As we get bigger, I think this is all like if we play this in three years, we probably will have changed at least one thing, if not multiple things, because then the calculus just changes. And I think that's the biggest thing to kind of keep in mind. I think at HubSpot, you have to do campaigns like that because you have thousands of people who may not be getting the right advice or the right management, or they hear it Mm -hmm. in all hands, but they don't necessarily hear it from their frontline manager. And that's really, really tough to kind of react to. At Drift is kind of the same thing. I think Drift, you know, they've had some, some other like, you know, growing pains just in terms of like how people are, you know, perceiving the company and these types of things. And so I think this, they kind of have to do some of these things, but you know, I don't want, I don't want to have to wage a political campaign at you yet. Right. I want to, I want to wait until, (laughs) you know, we're, you know, 10,000 people. And then it's like, well, now we have to have internal campaigns because we have to make sure the messaging is getting out. Right. Right now, like I can have individual conversations with everybody like fairly regularly, um, or at least like small group conversations. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. No, I I hear you. And I think all in all, we have a pretty good culture. One, one thing that, um, I saw online was, uh, uh, a sen- to get a sense of how positive the vacation culture is as a company, like you should look out for how often folks share photos from their vacation, right? In Slack or other things. Yeah. Um, and we have people do this all the time, right? Uh, we have a life outside of ProfitWell channel and people are always sharing photos from trips and vacations and, and things like that. So I think all in all, it's, it's working out really well. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Are people comfortable blending? Because really what we're talking about is we're cool. We're cool with you setting up the line between us and and your your yeah. home or whatever and we're also cool with like you whenever you want to blend that line we're cool with it right and if if that truly is working then people should feel comfortable like posting things or you know saying things or bringing you know hey i, w- I had this vacation and here's some cool stuff that happened and that type of thing and 
I think for them, I mean, it's not obligatory, but I think for the most part, people, people are pretty good. And if they're listening to this and they're like, Patrick is completely wrong. Like, obviously please come talk to me so I can figure out where I'm wrong. Um, or, yep. you know, where, where we missed the mark in terms of communication. But yeah, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't even actually know where I'd even go on vacation right now, <laughs> given all the travel. <laughs> I don't. I actually don't know where. I was looking. I I was getting a little um, what wanderlust. I think that's the word for it. And I started looking for like planes to Iceland and like stuff like that. <laughs> I love Iceland, as you know. Um, and it was one of those things where I uh, it was it was it basically said no flights until July first, and and I think that it was basically going to kick that that out as well. So it's just kind of fascinating to kind of see. And so, I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting how, you know, not only the travel industry, because a lot of the folks that we've talked to who are in the travel industry, the biggest piece of advice we've been giving them is, hey, the recovery is not going to be uniform. There are going to be regions of the U.S. or regions of Europe or regions of, you know, the rest of the world that are going to be recovering at different rates. And so you, you should do your best to kind of pick like the 10 regions knowing that, that like that you should really go all in on. Um, knowing that five of them are going to be complete failures, right? Because five of yeah. them, they're not going to open up as quickly um, because you're just not going to know and you should be comfortable with that work. But that actually brings us to a really interesting discussion that we had with Krish, uh, the CEO and founder over at Chargebee, um, who was really talking to us about, you know, what's going on with localization. And they've been like a very, very specific uh, company in the billing space that's that has focused on localization as a strength. There's only a couple of them out there right now. I would say Chargebee and Paddle are the two that like have really good, strong localization pieces to their product. But I also think it comes from that both of them like started outside the US and they're selling a lot into the US. And so uh, let's get to the Chris interview just so we can learn a little bit more about him, but also a little bit more about localization and what we should be thinking about, especially as the recovery um, starts to kick off here. What is your suggestion to companies, you know, and, and it's probably the same thing you would have said before COVID on how to set up their international strategy, how to make sure that you know, they're, they're kind of taking care of those different customers that are in different regions and kind of taking advantage of, hey, there's these different regions that you maybe didn't sell into as much, but you should sell into now more because they're recovering quicker, at least for your short-term growth strategies. Great, great question. If you're a SaaS company and uh, there is no barrier for you to sell into certain regions, assuming that you don't have a regulatory barrier or something like that, I think most of the B2B world uh, is English-speaking. Right. Uh, even even in East Asia and lot, lots of part of the world. I think that's a good first step to look at all the English speaking countries, especially for you to be able to sell to them. Right. And so, for example, with Charge B, our product is still only English only. Right. We don't actually have our app translated into multiple languages at all. But rather, our we look, we help our businesses look good in front of their customers by having translation, local payment methods and everything else for our customers. Right, our customers, customers. As long as even you can do that one more step, I think you, it suddenly opens up number of markets in which you are able to serve them. And there is the only one criteria that we put when it comes to serving markets is, can we support them in English or not? As long as you can actually support that business user in English, suddenly we find that there is a much larger world that you are able to open up to and then be able to support. So my take is uh, regions like Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, there are lots of companies that are out there in East Asia that you can start supporting as long as you can do transaction English. In inbound traffic, you find that there is so much, if, if you are a product that is serving other SaaS companies, suddenly you would actually find takers pretty much everywhere in the world. I think we have all seen this in uh, places like Saster where there used to be so many booths with companies coming from Brazil, Argentina, right? And 
they used to have their own alleys uh, and uh, most of us actually don't even cater to those markets because they even build their own version of upspot their own versions of these products right that exists for the rest of the world but if you are having a product that is already working for let's say uh, us or europe i think it's a good time to look at b2b use cases if it actually serves another different market if the friction is just payment methods i think you can bring down that one more barrier the market might actually open up into something much much larger and i think it just helps uh, that the diverse base of customers really helps in building some level of insurance or uh, resilience in the business by just having uh, more more locations to cater to so there's the first aspect of you know just opening yourself up to you know going after these types of folks is there any like other tactical kind of pieces um, around currency symbol, you know, localization, as you kind of mentioned, like anything else to kind of prepare your sales team? Like what are some of the other tactical pieces to make sure that when you're kind of expanding internationally that, that you're, you're doing the right stuff? Brilliant question. I think uh, the, the hardest part is time zone coverage when it comes to customer support, application monitoring, right? And just being available to sell during their time zone. I think first step, my recommendation is uh, that's the first piece to nail. Right. As long as you have the right time zone coverage for sales and support, I think the rest of the pieces in demand gen funnel and uh, uh, everything else, product support is uh, much, much easier. The other one is definitely looking at something very simple like don't worry about solving for, let's say, credit card payments for Latin America. Instead, the easiest one to think about is can you start with at least annual payments for similar customers, similar to the same kind of ideal customers that you sell in one market? Can you find similar ones in another location, go with simple options like PayPal, right? I know that a lot of people don't like to pick PayPal as an option, right? Simply because they have a history with it and then there is this aversion. But my recommendation is just open it up. I and mean, it just opens up a huge part of the East Asian market and Latin American market if you're just opening up to a few payment methods that are just universally accepted and then test it out before you go more local uh, with several more options. All right, wins and fails. PC, what's your win for the week? I think my win is Christian Cooper, this bird, bird man, uh, the birder who, the, this whole situation where the, I can't remember the other, the, the woman's name in this situation, but it was the, the woman who in the park basically was screaming at him with her dog because he was asking her to put her dog on a leash. And basically then was, was you know, like, I'm going to call the police and tell, tell them an African-American man is threatening my life. And terrible situation like piece of crap situation i i i hope that this woman is is like not this all the time but clearly had a very bad moment there are worse words that i want to say that we would have to bleep out you know in terms of her her interactions but the reason i think it's a win is because this guy is just minding his own business doing something that he loves trying to, you know, police the scufflaws, as he said in the interview. It's like a really, really good SAT word. Um, and he he had to deal with this, both, you know, systemically because, you know, she thought that this was something that would scare him, which is kind of screwed up, um, but also just dealing with this on his morning when he's trying to, like, do his passion, which is bird watching, right? And I think that it's just, on one hand, it gives me, like, like the lack of hope because I'm like, Oh, like this, this stuff happens and it's terrible. And there are situations where this turns out very much in her favor and that's terrible. Right. But it's a situation where, you know, 
he gets to show like his strength and he didn't even need to show his strength, which I think is a really, really big thing. And I also liked how when in the one interview I saw that he did um, post the situation, he was, you know, he was asked like, Hey, do you, do you think that, you know, are you going to accept her apology? And he basically said, Hey, if she's sincere and she keeps her dog on a leash, like, of course. Right. And I think that that, whenever I see, you know, the, the mission to civilize, you know, working out here, um, I think it goes really, really well. Of course, there's a lot more systemic things to kind of fix here to, to make sure that this is not a weapon, um, in the future. But I just wanted to find a bit of a silver lining and pretty much a terrible situation. How about you? A win for me. So unfortunately I can't share too much, but we just hit a major, major milestone. Yes. With the product here at ProfitWell, uh, with, We're working on an integration with a super, super cool company, and it's part of a much bigger mission. And it's part of let's a just say mission. making the, making a the world mission. a better place. Um, so you guys making will have to speculate in the place. comments. All right, Gavin Bell. You guys will have to you guys will have to speculate in the comments below. But um, I I am super pumped for this. We're finally getting some early access folks in. So um, stay tuned for more more on this in the coming months. That's awesome. What about a loss? What do you got? A loss for me. This one this one was really hard for for me over the last couple of days. Um, a fail for me is probably seeing uh, the death of George Floyd um, with his encounters with the police uh, officers in Minneapolis. And and to be super clear, like I don't want to get into whole police versus not police thing over here. It's just someone died, um, and he shouldn't have, right? Um, and yeah. and time and time again, we see that we need better training to to prevent this from happening again every month or whatever. More more of these cases come out, and we see videos of this stuff happening. But that one that one really um, left me feeling yeah. low, low earlier this week. Yeah. I think it, I mean, I I like what you said about, I don't think it's a police versus not police. I think it's, you know, and this was, I think, fully on video, if I'm remembering correctly. And it's just, it's one of those things where it, it it really doesn't even matter. Did he break the law? Did he not? Like, that's, that's a whole different conversation here. It's, it's more about the lack of training or the, the, the protocols that were used after or, or after that fact. Right. And you saw this with a mod, like same thing. Like, did he break the law? Did he not? I've explored construction sites plenty of times. I think everyone has at some point just out of curiosity, right? And it didn't look like he did anything wrong. And even if he did, the actions that were taken just feel pretty aggressive, right? And so I don't know, I think pretty aggressive. It's going to be an understatement. I'm going to get some crap for that on Twitter. I just feel it. But like, you know, I think that's, that's a big thing is just to keep in mind is like, you know, there's, there's some training or some different tactics to be used. And I have a buddy who's a police officer in central Illinois and he talks a lot about like, you know, community policing is so important. That's where you become a member of the community. You live in the community, you're amongst the community, these types of things, because it de-escalates a lot of situations, right? You understand what's going on. And I'm not, I'm not making any, you know, qualms about either of the situations that we just referenced, but it's one of those things that there are like great police forces out there who can avoid these types of things. And then there's like, you know, police forces that, you know, need to be, you know, modernized in terms of, you know, community policing and things like that. But yeah, it's interesting. And uh, how about your fail? Uh, I'm going to bring it back to business, uh, yes, because okay. we're not a political podcast. But uh, I think uh, Hertz, Hertz is down under and uh, went bankrupt or declared bankruptcy. I I'm an avid Hertz member. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the you know you, or rental car of choice. Uh, but I think that I mean it, it, this is what happens when a lot of these businesses are so cost heavy. And they're not keeping a lot of cash on their balance sheet. You know, when they, when they hit a global pandemic, which I don't know if they should have saved more money on their balance sheet, I think it's a hard argument. But bankruptcy is is made for this. And that's one of the things that I, I don't think a lot of people understand is that it makes the U.S. very unique in the world. Like Europe, when an airline goes under, it's done. It's done. There's no restructuring. There's no coming out of bankruptcy, nothing like that. In the U.S., like 
you have the right, I don't know if it's a right, but you have the ability to go bankrupt and kind of restructure, figure out your debt and then reemerge, which, you know, yes, there's, there's some, you know, problems there, but if that's an option, it's actually a really good option to kind of restructure and come out, you know, better on the other end. And so it's, it's definitely a loss because it sucks, but it was also because of probably not something that they, you know, could have perceived. And so there's a little bit of a win in there that they're going to come out and, and probably be stronger than ever, which I'm excited about. Cool. Cool. Anything else? No, I think that's a wrap. Good, uh, big week, but uh, looking forward to seeing, you know, more and more unfold. Absolutely. We'll see you all next week. If you liked what you saw, if it was helpful, make sure you subscribe, make sure you share it on Twitter and the socials. Um, it helps us a lot. If you could leave us a five-star review on Apple, uh, that helps us a lot in terms of distribution as well, but we'll see you next week. Bye guys. This has been a Recurse Studios production, the fastest growing subscription network out there. If you find use for this show, subscribe for more like it at ProfitWell.com slash Recur.